mistakes. Well, I think if I were to go back, I probably made the most of them in my first year. The first big mistake I made think carefully about the career choice. Obviously, it's one that comes with immense privilege and work satisfaction. Um, it also does come at a, a significant sacrifice. Are you interested in taking your knowledge, career, and money to new heights? My name is Francesca, and you're listening to Smart Growth Rocket, powered by TopClassEdge.com, where I share real-world examples and stories from successful in-the-know experts. If you want to make the most of your education, career, and money by learning from incredible go-getters, this show is for you. All right, everyone. I'm super excited because today we have Dr. Darren Chai, resident doctor at McMaster University. And a really cool thing, he also helps university students with admissions to medical schools in Canada, which is notoriously challenging. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what do you do? I guess I, I went to undergrad at Western. Uh, I was in the medical science program. And then after that, I did my med school at McMaster and I've been there ever since. I went into a residency in psychiatry and currently I'm going into my third year of a five-year psychiatry residency. Excellent. And in 60 seconds or less, can you tell us your medicine story, meaning where you started and uh, up to where you are now? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll, I'll do my best to compress the uh, the time frame. It's, uh, I guess it's been about nine years now. But basically, I first got interested in medicine when I was in high school, more so like grade, end of grade 11, starting grade 12. We had to think about like career planning and sort of what we wanted to do for university. And so I considered, you know, engineering, business and medicine. And, you know, I I made that decision in, in high school, uh, grade 12, that I was going to try and sort of pursue becoming a doctor. I then went into, I, I guess, as I mentioned before, medical science at Western uh, to help with some of the prerequisite courses. It's a good undergraduate degree to prepare for the MCAT. It's sort of what they say the most direct path to medicine, although there is also benefit in taking sort of less conventional paths. And then I applied after third year and I got in. So then I went to med school, went through my rotations, and I ultimately chose psychiatry. So I hope that was 60 seconds or less, but uh, yeah. Pretty close. But what led you to psychiatry? I mean, there are so many different areas of specialization. What is it about psychiatry that drew you in? I was fairly naive going into medical school. Like I I probably considered almost every single specialty. So I went in thinking like, oh, like I want to be a neurosurgeon, a cardiac surgeon. That kind of quickly <laughs> dropped off my radar. I, I considered internal medicine. And even family medicine. And, and honestly, there are, are things I like about all the different fields. But for me, in psychiatry, it was a, sort of a number of different reasons that I, I chose the field. First, obviously, I, I did enjoy the work. I, I, do, I do find it very gratifying to sort of support patients emotionally and tangibly when they're going through very difficult experiences that um, are, are difficult to talk, to talk about in comparison to some of the more routine aspects of like other areas of medicine, let's say, yeah. uh, or, or potentially less stigmatized areas of medicine. Um, so I found that uh, incredibly, incredibly rewarding. And the other things I liked about it is obviously the work-life balance. You know, I think that's really, really emphasized in psychiatry. I have sort of interests outside of my career. I do, I do like to maintain sort of my exercise regime and my hobbies, and I like to play soccer. So I, I enjoyed that part of it as well. And and honestly, from even just the personal growth perspective, I find I found it really interesting to be able to learn about the ways that people think 
and sort of apply that to myself at times and be like, okay, like, you know, where is my thinking sort of leading me to emotions that may not be productive for me or may not be helpful in my life? And how can I use that to sort of improve on myself? For all those reasons, basically, you know, enjoying the work itself and finding it very rewarding, the the personal growth aspect of it and the work-life balance, I ended up choosing psychiatry and I, I so far I've loved every minute of it. Wow. Have there been any memorable cases? Earlier on in my training, I probably would have had more specific cases that really stuck out. I think at the stage that I'm, that I'm at, I'm, I'm starting to develop more of like a pattern recognition. Like, mm. you know, we sort of comment on that in medicine. I think as I start to see more and more of those patterns, then I'll probably progress to a stage where the cases that stick out are ones that sort of don't fit the pattern or are kind of, yeah. you know, niche or interesting in that way. That, that being said, I mean, right now I'm on a, an elective in forensic psychiatry. Um, so pretty much every single case is, is very, very interesting and sticks out because um, you really can't make this stuff up. And it, it's, it's very fascinating work. So sorry, I didn't really answer your question. But um. But um, I mean, every case is unique and, and and memorable in its own way. Yeah. And every single case has its own learning opportunities within it too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the pre-med side of things. Might have been a while, but what do you think is a common mistake that a lot of pre-meds make or maybe that you made as a pre-med? Common mistakes. Well, I think if I were to go back, I probably made the most of them in my first year. The first big mistake I made was pulling an all-nighter before an exam. And honestly, it was an anxiety-driven decision uh, in hindsight, which, you know, like, oh my goodness, I need to study as much as possible. I need to like get 100% on this exam. And so I got a big cup of coffee and I decided to study all night. And it, it seems silly in retrospect that I even thought this way. But really, by the time you get to the next morning, you're so tired <laughs> that uh, whatever you learned, you're not able to recall the next day. Um, so as, as understudied as you may feel, it's probably better than pulling an all-nighter. So that, that, I would say, is a common mistake that could be avoided. Okay. Yeah. Pulling an all-nighter. Pulling all right. all Don't do that before an exam. <laughs> No, that's a good one. It's funny. Yeah. I used to pull a lot of all-nighters uh, way back in undergrad. I mean, I felt like a pile of garbage after pulling an all-nighter. It's just, you feel so like sluggish and your brain is just not all there. But thankfully the grades were okay, but did, I didn't feel good after those all-nighters. So I'd have to agree with you there. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on to some of your research. So you were a biochemistry undergraduate summer research program award recipient. That's a mouthful for your <laughs> research on intracellular protein CK2, which is known to be involved with nearly every hallmark of cancer in quotation marks. So let's Let's say that a student, let's say a potential future doctor uh, or somebody interested in healthcare or research, let's say the student wanted to get started with research. Maybe they don't have any former or prior research experience. How might they get started? Yeah, so I think this was, uh, you know, a difficult thing to actually get into for me. Obviously, the easiest and the way that most of my friends got in was through connections, you know, family, you know, knowing someone or a friend of a friend, that type of thing. So, you know, definitely don't discount that even if you're not directly related to somebody that does research, you know, if you scan your social network and think of friends that may have parents that work in scientific or research fields, then that that potentially could be one option. That's how some of my friends got into research. For me, I, I kind of 
because I didn't have that, I had to take the more, I guess you could say common approach. I don't know if common is the right word, but essentially in first year, I started out cold emailing professors and that wasn't overly successful, to be honest. I, I did get some responses, but most of them were essentially saying that, yeah, we get millions of these cold emails all the time. And yeah, yours may be sort of structured a little better, or you come up a bit more personal, but we're looking for something else. And I think when I started looking out for actual awards, like this research award and funding that I could attach to my name and bring to the supervisor, that's where I started getting a lot more interest in my in my second year of undergrad. Just off the top of my head, like the National Science and Engineering Research Council or NSERC. Yeah. They have an undergraduate uh, summer research award or, you know, it's called NSERC USRA. And so that uh, if you if you approach a supervisor saying, hey, I'm really interested in your research for this and this reason, uh, I would love to apply for this award with you. Would you be interested in submitting an application that comes off as a lot more polished and there's a lot more incentive for them to take you because their lab is also getting funding uh, to have you there as a summer student if you approach them with that kind of an application. So that that would probably be my most practical piece of advice. That makes sense. It's because it's kind of a, a win-win on, on both sides. Exactly. Amazing. I mean, I also wanted to hear a little bit more about Canadian pre-med, your work helping students, university students with admissions to, to medical schools. It's essentially like I've been doing this since I got into med school for friends, you know, kind of just like reviewing their applications, doing practice interviews with them, that type of thing. And then obviously with my YouTube channel, people started like DMing me and honestly, even just flagging me down in the grocery store, for example. So over the past couple of years, I I have been, you know, somewhat of a mentor to uh, several people. And I, I found it to be really, really rewarding. And I enjoyed it. And, and I know that for me, especially, not having connections uh, in the medical field through my direct sort of social circle. I had to sort of seek out mentors uh, that were medical students. And, you know, that wasn't always the most accessible, uh, but I did somehow find them. Uh, and I know how how valuable uh, they were to me throughout my undergraduate years. So honestly, just wanting to, to start this business to to try and expand that accessibility to uh, these services. And, uh, you know, it's 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 been fun. Getting to be a mentor is such an honor and it's it's very rewarding. Is there anything that you would tell, let's say, the doctors to be anything that you would tell your younger self thinking back to when you first thought to pursue a career in medicine what would i tell my younger self i mean i'm very fortunate and i think blessed in the way things turned out so i don't have a whole lot of regrets to be honest maybe one thing i might tell my younger self though i don't know if my younger self would even listen to this advice is like there's no rush slow down like you don't have to get into med school like after your third year necessarily like it's it's okay if you don't like there are other things you can do in your in your time you know you, you could start a business there's so many different things you could learn how to code like there's so many different things that are interesting that are happening in in our world today that um, I, I would definitely tell my younger self to, to slow down. All right. All right. And yeah. let's say thinking to your your years after undergrad, once you're actually in medical school, and even today, mm-hmm. what do you think it takes to to make it as a doctor? Let's say Canada. Yeah. In Canada. Well, I mean, the hardest part is getting in. Once you get in, the graduation rate is like 98, 99%. So I would say obviously the hardest part is getting in here in Canada. To get in, it's, you know, it's a combination of like all things in life, hard work, 
luck, discipline. There are things like in your control and some that are out, outside of your control. And socioeconomic status has a lot to do with that. Um, if you just look at the um, the distribution of uh, parental incomes for medical students compared to the general population. So th- those things all, all do help. But in terms of things that people can control or things that are sort of within their realm of influence, uh, you know, I would definitely say like the, the discipline would be one of the number one things, you know, lots of people in university can, you know, say, say they want to get into medical school and, you know, have all the opportunities, you know, some people that were, were my former classmates that may even have had more privilege uh, than I had growing up and in university from a financial, a socioeconomic, you know, a, a networking perspective, they ultimately, I guess, some of them just didn't have the discipline. It was, uh, it was Friday, Saturday, the week before the exam, and, you know, I'd be in the library and they'd be somewhere else. I don't want to sort of point the finger and tell people what to do, but but I do think, you know, you need to be mindful of like, where are my grades? Like, where are my extracurriculars? Like, what are the people around me doing? And, and how can I make myself unique and stand out in a creative way while still being diligent about keeping my grades up and, and getting good scores on uh, the MCAT exam? Absolutely. I mean, speaking of the MCAT, that is one heck of a test. What is it now? Seven hours long? Can you give us a quick <laughs> MCAT or productivity hack? For an MCAT hack, I would say the cars section is probably, for science students at least, the most difficult part of the MCAT. So I would say get started early. And the technique that really got my score into the range that uh, I was aiming for was summarize what I was reading in my head as I was reading it. Generally, when I'm reading, I'm not actively putting what I'm reading in my own words in my head. I'm just reading it and being like, oh, yeah, it makes sense. But as soon as I started doing that, as soon as I read the words off the page and simultaneously summarizing it in my head, that's when uh, my my car score started to go up and up and up. Yeah, no, I'm hearing that a lot as well. It's the cars that really messes a lot of science students up for sure. And finally, any final advice for our emerging doctors? Final advice for emerging doctors. I would say think carefully about the career choice. Obviously, it's one that comes with immense privilege and work satisfaction. Um, It also does come at a, a significant sacrifice as well. Thinking back, there are probably other careers that I would have been happy doing besides being a doctor. And now I'm not saying that I'm not happy being a doctor. I absolutely love it. But given the sort of percentages, you know, for admissions and the fact that you could have a perfect application these days and still not even get in. I would say think about that and, you know, try and talk to people who are in the field and see if it's the right fit for you or or if there's something else that that you might also be happy in. Because I think a lot of pre-meds, myself included at the time, get really tunnel visioned into like, this is the one thing I need to do. And that that can work. But uh, it it doesn't necessarily have to be the be all and end all. And there are probably other careers that uh, you you might be completely happy in uh, as well, besides medicine. Yeah, totally. Wise words. I mean, I've met applicants who they are reconsidering things, but amazing. Thank you so much for those wise words. And where can we find more information either about you, about Canadian pre-med? Where can we find that? So I'm on I'm on Instagram, YouTube, and I have a website. So my Instagram and YouTube is the same. It's Darren Chai MD or CanadianPremed.ca.
Thanks for tuning in. This is your host, Francesca at Smart Growth Rocket. Are you enjoying these podcasts or finding them beneficial? Help us reach new listeners by sharing our link with one other friend or family member who might enjoy this. It takes less than 30 seconds and really helps our show grow, which allows us to bring on even better guests for all of you. Until next time, to your success.